a fun night just to be together, and uh, we have come together during this busy season of the year here on a Wednesday night. You're like, doesn't really feel like a Wednesday night, does it? I'm not really sure what night it is, but we have set this night aside to come together during a really busy time of the year, ultimately because our God is worthy to be praised. Every time we think about Advent, even in my own life, every time we go into this season of the year, there's this prayer that goes over and over in my head. I pray it for myself, and I pray it for my family, and pray it for you, that there would be nothing that would dazzle us more than Jesus Christ. So even tonight, as we sing and open God's Word for just a few minutes, Uh, The prayer is that through our singing, through God's word, we're going to celebrate the table here in just a minute, as Paul said. We're going to overflow in giving as a church family. That together tonight, what a joy. Uh, The goal is that nothing would dazzle us more than the person of Jesus Christ. So as we open our Bibles, uh, can we just say thank you to our friend Matt down here, man? Thank you for leading us. If you've been around Tri-Cities for a while, you'll know what I mean by this. I really couldn't tell, is tonight Christmas Eve or is it Impact? I mean, but Matt was always here during Impact and it feels a little strange, but what a friend to our church. Man, thank you for being here. He's going to come and lead us a little bit more later in some more songs, I think. And uh, I think I'm going to come up and accompany you. Is that Maybe not. That's probably not what's going to happen. If you want to take your Bibles and open up, or all these are going to be on the screens, you can do that. But John chapter 1 is where we're going to start tonight. And again, we're, we're just going to kind of wander our way through three or four passages of Scripture to tune, to tune our hearts tonight around God's Word. That's the goal. You remember in this Advent season, we as a church family, we are remembering, looking back, birth of our King, But we're not stopping there as a church. Remember, this whole Advent focus is to not stop just on his birth, but to then glorious return. In anticipation to his glorious return. So we are remembering to anticipate. And you'll hear us say that over and over again to set that focus for us. We're calling ourselves to more this Advent season than just looking back. Looking ahead to his glorious promises. So we've been asking ourselves, and we'll continue to ask ourselves, okay, then how do we wait well? Some of those songs we just sang tonight already are about this idea of anticipating well the reality of the visible, literal, one-day return of King Jesus who's going to come and make everything right. We believe that. Our hope is in that. In the meantime, how do we wait well? A couple weeks ago, we said we wait with hope. Jesus' followers wait with hope, not a maybe, but an absolute assurance. We wait with hope. Last Sunday, we said Jesus' followers wait with purpose. This time of waiting is not without purpose. So in this waiting, we wait with purpose and deny. And for just a few minutes, we're going to focus on this. We're going to remind one another of the idea that we wait well. Jesus' followers wait with grace. We wait with grace. 
I think if you could walk away from these next few minutes from the Word with anything in your mind, it's this overwhelming reminder and this reality that anything we have, any blessing we receive, any gift that is ours, it is all because of grace. So we're going to weave our way through some different passages that just remind us of that tonight quickly and then again celebrate with the Lord's Supper and giving. But I want to start right here in John chapter 1, Christmas story version, the Apostle John's Christmas story version, and he goes way back. The other gospel writers start in Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus, or maybe the genealogy of Jesus, but John goes all the way back to the beginning. So Start with me here. What does it look like to wait with grace? John 1.1, 1, 1, he says this, In the beginning was the Word. Beginning of what, John? Uh, beginning of everything. John goes all the way back before there was even time, before creation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And you can't go back much further than John does here. All the way back pre-creation to the reality that before there was anything, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit in perfect harmony, perfect fellowship, in need of nothing, perfect joy within the Trinity. And John recognizes the Son. He gives the Son a particular title here. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The word could be translated the expression or the communication or the speaking or the revealing. That is the very revelation of God, this word, the second person of the Trinity, always been forever and ever and ever and ever. Yet, then John says, you can go ahead, verse 14, very familiar verse. He says, of this word, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, and the word dwelt among us. Flesh. He dwelt among us. We look back at the Christmas story. John does not want us to lose sight ever that this baby in the manger pre existed Bethlehem. In fact, he pre existed everything. It is God in the flesh. God became man. He dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son from the Father. Now, listen to this. Full of what? Grace. Now just a little grace. Full of grace and truth. John 15, or verse 15. John the Apostle now makes reference to John the Baptist. He says, the one who preceded Jesus. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, before because he was before me. Verse 16, now listen to this. Here's the way John sums up all this. This is where I want to begin with you tonight. I want this to get in your mind. Verse 16, 
for from his fullness, this is the son, become flesh, dwell among us, looking back, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Here's your big truth. We've already looked at it. We'll say it again. Jesus' followers wait with grace. John looks at the birth of Jesus. When John looks back in eternity past of God who has always been and always will be, and God the Son becoming flesh, he says, and all of this is the grace upon grace upon grace of God. It's as if it's to remind us when we look back, everything that God has done, everything we have received, everything that we have, every blessing that we know, every blessing that we will ever receive, it is all because of grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Now, if you try to find a good working definition for grace, I assure you there's, there's plenty of them, and this is not the final word on grace, but in the context of all that we're going to talk about tonight briefly, I kind I, I of coined this little phrase, and it's this. When we talk about grace in Scripture, you can think of it this way, that it's God's lavish giving to the desperately undeserving. So when you even try to get your mind around this biblical concept of grace, God is not a sparing giver. He's not a meager giver. He's not a pauper. You know, he's not like us. He's like, well, let's see what I can spare here, what I've got. You know, that's not the, it is God's lavish giving. And it's not that God chooses to bless lavishly, those who deserve it. Amen? Aren't we glad? Grace can be defined as God's lavish giving to who? To the desperately undeserving. Here's we this seems to be the way John sets this here as we think about that. We, as we wait for his return, it, it's all we wait in grace. We're empowered by grace. We're strengthened by grace. We look forward to grace. It's all of God's lavish giving to the desperately undeserving. So let me walk us through three or four passages with that in mind. And let's just behold and be reminded of the grace of God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Read just a few verses here. What does this grace upon grace look like? Again, you can look this up or you can just follow along on the screen. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 21. Grace upon grace. What does it look like? This is the birth of Jesus. Matthew writes, says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this child from the Holy Spirit. Miraculous conception, miraculous virgin birth of Jesus. One of a kind. 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was in a tough spot. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, here's where I want you to see. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. That shouting ground because that is all because of the grace of God. So from this passage, you can see that God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. What does he give? He gives himself, God with us. He makes himself known. He makes himself knowable to us. Why? Grace. Here we see that he provides a sin bearer, Jesus. He will save, redeem, deliver his people from what? their sin, bondage, the enemy. He will save, deliver their people from their sins. Why? Because we were deserving? No, because God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving grace upon grace. Look at another passage. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Very familiar. You know this. In light of all of this, the Apostle Paul, in a sense, sums a lot of this up there in Ephesians chapter 2. And kind of exciting as we go over Ephesians 2 we're going to be diving into the entire book beginning in January we're going to be walking through Ephesians next year can't wait Ephesians chapter 2 through faith in those moments where you think well I don't I just don't think I can live up to it I don't think I can earn it I don't think I can do this thing I don't whatever goes through your mind Paul says remember you have been saved not because you deserve it not because you earn it not because God found you worthy for by Grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, and aren't we glad? It is the gift of God. So if you're here and you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you know Him and you, you, you have the joy of knowing His Spirit within you and you've experienced release from your sin and you have the future that He's promised to you, just be reminded it is not of you. It is not because of you. It is not because God found you worthy. It is because God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. And aren't we glad? Grace. We wait we're born again. We're saved by grace. Let me give you another passage really quick. Romans chapter 5, quickly. Paul takes it a little step further beyond salvation and justification. He says, chapter 5 of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we are having, or we have now, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful for peace with God? You were an enemy. Now you're at peace. Why? Verse 2, through him we have obtained access by faith. Remember when we went through Hebrews? Remember the big deal that God left to ourselves is unapproachable to us? No more because of grace. In Christ we have full access. We have full access by faith. Watch this. Into this glory of God. God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. He gives standing grace. He gives sustaining grace. Meaning if you're a Christian when you woke up this morning, you're still a believer now. Why? Because of the sustaining grace of God in which we stand. How do we endure? How do we continue? How do we persevere? 
the grace of God in which we stand. Everything we have, everything we experience, every blessing from God, every future gift, grace. God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. Now, final verse, maybe. Actually, there may be two more. We'll see. First Peter chapter 1. So we've looked back, we've remembered, we've seen it's this grace in which we stand. And now as we talk about anticipating, what are we looking forward to? A ton of different places we could go to, but Peter helps us so much here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says this, anticipating, looking forward. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, meaning clear thinking. Set your hope fully on the what? What grace? That will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verb tenses matter, remember? This is future grace. This is a degree of grace you don't even know yet. This is the grace of God. He hasn't even lavished on you yet. When will that grace become a reality? The grace that will be brought to you when? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. In the past grace, as we brought us to himself, he holds us in his grace as we stand. And here, as we anticipate, he says, there is a grace that you don't even know yet. There is a giving from our lavish God to us who are desperately undeserving that we can't even get our minds around. We wait in grace. Look forward. We stand in grace. And we look forward to grace. When he returns again, we will see him as he is because of grace. We will be in glory with him and made like him because of grace. We will be fully satisfied in him because of grace. The curse of sin will be no more. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We will reign with him, scripture tells us, all because God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. Now, final things then. As we read that verse in 1 Peter and we think about looking forward to all that is going to be ours and all the promises that is ours and all that the Bible lays out, sometimes we say things like this, man, I can only imagine what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. But I want to remind you one final thing, what Scripture says as we look ahead to His grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, and we'll close. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined. If you think you can mentally get your mind around what glory is going to be like, what the new heaven and new earth is going to be like, Paul says, no heart has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Yours in imagine 
the future grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. We know him by grace. We're sustained in grace. And we look forward to that future grace because God lavishly gives to the desperately undeserving. The overflow of that in our lives is joy. It's thanksgiving. It's praise like what we're doing here tonight. We're going to walk through the Lord's table as an expression of looking back and remembering and anticipating. And then we're going to joyfully give in response to this God of great grace. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you again for this time. God, thank you for your grace. I pray now, Lord, as we prepare to set our minds on you through the Lord's table and through giving. Lord, we do it recognizing it is all because of your grace. In Jesus' great name we pray.